You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Welcome. This is Adam with Titan Nature's Yellowstone. And I'm going to start this first episode off with telling you my story. Telling you why eight years ago, I quit my job and started guiding in Yellowstone National Park. Now, I grew up in Rexburg, Idaho, which is about an hour and a half away from the west entrance to Yellowstone. From the time that I was, I was 15, in about the year 2000, my older brother had his driver's license. And we would start making trips into Yellowstone National Park. Now, one of these trips I remember in particular, me and two of my brothers, my older brother, Ben, who had his driver's license, and my younger brother, Sam, went to, I believe it was Slough Creek, the Slough Creek campground, and spent the night. I don't remember much about this trip, but I remember the next morning waking up and driving into Lamar Valley. And the only thing that I remember there is that, one, there wasn't anybody else. Well, there's one person. There's this one man up on a hillside with a spotting scope. We found a place to park, and we climbed the hill to where he was at. We asked him what he was looking at, and he allowed us to look through his spotting scope. And what we saw were 15 wolves out in Lamar Valley. They were playing. And for me, I kind of fell in love. That was my first time ever seeing wolves. And that's what brought us to Yellowstone. You know, I mentioned it was the year 2000. So this is five years after the wolves were reintroduced into the park. We went and saw them for the first time. Seeing the wolves this one time wasn't enough. In a way, over the years, it would kind of become an addiction for me. I always wanted to be back in Yellowstone. Wasn't always easy between. You know, a childhood where you have so many things going on, trying to make time for Yellowstone, to going into college, getting married, starting a family. And I would always visit as much as I could. And during those visits from the time I was young, I always had a camera with me. I loved to do wildlife photography. And I think that stemmed back to, again, my childhood and watching Marty Stouffer's Wild America. I remember that being on PBS, and it was a show that I always looked forward to. When when I was younger, I just had a a film camera. I had the Pentax Super Program. I got that was when I was 16. When I was 17, I got a Zoom lens to go with it. And I had that camera clear up until I was 21, 22, when I got married, and my father-in-law gave me my first DSLR, digital camera with interchangeable lenses. And that changed a lot because, you know, when I was younger, I, I had this book, the one of the KISS series, Keep It Simple, Stupid, on photography. I don't read that, try to understand it, and it was, it was tough. But when I got that digital camera, I could take a picture and see right away what it looked like. And so I started teaching myself photography. I would play through the functions, the aperture, the the shutter, the ISO, and I knew these worked together, but wasn't quite sure how they worked together. I remember one time 
I was out in Lamar Valley. I hadn't had this camera very long. It was, it was dusk. It was after sunset. It was getting dark. And I was watching a grizzly bear play in the snow. I remember rolling it rolling around in the snow and it was reaching out, would grab its toes. And I was trying desperately to take a picture of this. And nothing was working. It was too dark. It was just nothing was showing up on the back of the screen. I remember raising the ISO. I remember doing all these things. And I even tried putting an automatic mode and the, the camera flash started going. And the person next to me was like, is, is that working? And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, no, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But I tell you what, when you miss a shot like that, when you miss an opportunity like that, you start learning pretty fast how to use your camera and how all those settings go together. And so this is, this is all part of it coming together for Yellowstone for me and what brings me to Yellowstone. Um, photography was part of it. The wildlife was another part of it. My senior year, I needed to have an internship. And that internship uh, brought me to Gardner, Montana with my family. I worked for the Yellowstone. I actually volunteered for the Yellowstone Association and got a couple cabins up and running or helped get a couple cabins up and running called the Yellowstone Overlook. I did that for a little while. I worked in their visitor center. I worked at the Chamber of Commerce, did whatever I needed to just to be able to stay there through the summertime and trying to support my family. And while we were there, uh, we, we spent, especially me, I spent a lot of time in Yellowstone. I remember taking, uh, at the time, two of my sons into the park, and we would go hiking as well as, as my wife, Marcy. Now, I think one of our favorite hikes became a hike up to Trout Lake. We were up there one time, and I, I think we heard that the otters had been up there, and we were up there, and we're on the far side of the lake, and we see these otters, and we're so ecstatic, and we're out, and we're watching them, and all of a sudden, the otter's out on the land, and all of a sudden, it's running towards us. And my little boy, my two-year-old's out in front of me, Joseph, and I, I picked him up and put him on my shoulders, and we all scooted back real quick and let it pass by us. But it was experiences like these over time that I was having with my family and enjoying Yellowstone that just kept on wanting me to come back and come back. And you know, that wasn't always possible, you know, especially for me, family was number one, and I wanted to make sure I could support my family. But after a few years at a job, actually, uh, I think it was seven years, it was a good job. It got me through, it got me through college and it supported my family, but it came to a point and actually a lot of points, I think, I think I quit on them six or seven times. They kept on hiring me back. Finally, it was getting to a point I needed to do something else. I was just, I wasn't happy. And I was surfing the web and I found this job opening in, in Jackson with a company called Brushbuck who I'd never heard of before, but they were looking for a guide. And so I thought, I'll apply for it. My wife didn't know. I just thought, eh, you know, heck, worst can happen is they'll call me about it. So I applied for this job. And the next day I got a call, and I think it was either that day or the next day, I was on the phone doing a, an interview with the owner, Adam Lackner. And he hired me on the spot and said, I need you over here this weekend to start. So I gave my notice at work, said, sorry, I had to leave. And this was like a two, two day notice. I said, I'm, I'm out of here. I need to, I'm going to go take this job. So I went over to Jackson 
And I lived in the hostel for a month working as a guide in, in Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Park. And stayed there for a month until I could find a place for my family to move over. And we ended up moving over to Driggs, Idaho. And I worked out of Jackson for three years. In the summertime, I was guiding for brush buck. And in the wintertime, I would find whatever I could. One year, I worked for a company that guides snow coaches and snowmobiles into the park. The next year, I worked at a hotel. And after three years, and the commute was a 45-minute commute. It was a, almost a 12-hour day of guiding. I decided this, that was too much, you know. Going back, my family was the most important thing, and I was away from them all the time. So I started looking over on the west side, over at West Yellowstone. The trips were shorter, and it was right on the edge of Yellowstone. I ended up finding a place in Island Park, Idaho, and got a job with Sea Yellowstone, or Alpen Guides. And this provided two things for me. One, uh, a shorter day but also an opportunity to be a year-round guide in Yellowstone. Drive snow coaches in the wintertime and do regular tours in the summertime. After a year of this, of working with them, before I started the next winter season, I had decided to, that next summer, start my own business. I decided that I had, I had learned enough, I knew enough, and that, I got to credit Brushbuck for that. Brushbuck. Um, and the way they have it set up for the guides, they are incredible and their training is incredible. Um, it's very collaborative. All the guides work together. We teach each other. Um, we spend time in the park. We text. We, we go back and forth. And as a guide, it was with Brushbuck, it was two weeks that I was driving with another guide and learning the ropes. And they had a training procedures for you. You know, this is what you need to learn before you start guiding in Yellowstone. And I remember one of the times I was being trained and it was, I think my first time that I was by myself, that I was completely in charge and we had uh, the other guide there just in case. And I remember stopping for some bison. And this is the, this group that we were with. This is their first time seeing bison. And they were amazed by him. And I was, I was giving them space. I was being quiet. Let them take it in for a second. And I remember the other guy all of a sudden jumping in and starting talking. I thought, wait a second. No, I'm not ready for that. Because I wanted them to enjoy that. I knew how that felt when I've seen things for the first time. I can't listen to anybody else. I, I don't know what else is going on. Because there's a 2,000-pound animal in front of me. Or a bear. Or an elk bugling, and those experiences are precious. And for me, I didn't want to ruin that for them. I wanted them to take it in, and after they took it in, they're going to have questions for me, and I would be able to answer those questions. Anyways, you know, so that was my experience with Brushbuck. Is It was a great learning opportunity, a great company to work for. And then I moved on to West Yellowstone, where I could guide year-round, and I decided to start my own company. And I was worried about this. You know, is this a conflict of interest? Would I still have a job in the wintertime? So talking to the, the manager there, he said, no, no problem. He was very supportive. And he said, we'll hire you in the wintertime, and then you do your own thing in the summertime. And so I was excited for this. I was, I was ready to start my own thing. It was, it was kind of scary. 
but I wanted to go out and do this. Now, I had this name tied to nature. I'd been using that name for quite a while with photography and a Facebook group and, or a Facebook page and other things. And I wanted my business to be called Tied to Nature. Now, let me rewind in time a little bit. Going back to my internship when I was in Gardner, Montana, I remember driving out to Yellowstone one day out in Lamar Valley. I walked out just a little ways and there was this log and I sat down on this log and I had a pen and a notebook with me and I started writing. During that time, I came up with this idea of tied to nature, tying people to nature. And so over time between that and then when I got back to work at the cabins at the, the Yellowstone Overlook, I was sitting in the cabin and I was expanding on this. You know, what was tied to nature? What did that mean? I, I liked that idea of being able to tie people to nature. And I came up with this phrase. I came up with this, for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, if people aren't able to get into Yellowstone for themselves, or just in general into nature, I wanted to provide a way for them to experience a little bit of what I was experiencing while I was out there. If they can't get out, maybe they have the job, the family, they were at some point in life where I had been at some point where you just couldn't make that sacrifice to get out. This was for those people. So they could they could experience nature and outdoors, even if they couldn't be out there. And then for those that never get enough, I feel like I'm in that boat now. I'm a full-time guide in Yellowstone. I have my own business in the summertime. I'm out there almost on a daily basis. People ask me, where do you go on vacation at? And I tell them, I go to Yellowstone National Park on vacation, which is true. Sometimes, you know, I'll get done for the day off of a tour and I'll turn around and go back inside of Yellowstone. And that's, you know, those people that can't get enough. So this idea of tied to nature, it's not just a business. My photography, this podcast, tied to nature is an experience. It's a way of life. It's getting into the outdoors. It's whatever I can do to get people tied to nature, to get people to experience a little bit of what I experience. Sorry, that was probably a little bit of a, tan a tangent, but that's where Tied to Nature came from. And that's where the idea of my business evolved, where I became a tour guide in Yellowstone. What a perfect way to get people outside. You know, it's, it's more, than, more than a tour, it's an experience. That's smelling the flowers, it's picking up the rocks, it's skipping a rock across the lake seeing the animals, it's watching the geyser, it's listening to the geyser. And so that was my whole goal. And that is my whole goal with Tied to Nature, whether it's through this podcast or a tour, through anything. And I, sh I should also mention, it's not just me. It's not, well, I want everybody to come on a tour with me. That's not how I feel. I have some great friends at, you know, still Brushbuck, Dan and Jackson. Uh, Daniel and Haley and Clint and the owner Adam and um, a great crew down there. Go with them. Go with um, guys out of Gardner, Montana. You know, you have multiple companies out there. I won't mention all of them. Or just go in by yourself and text me and say, hey, we're going to Yellowstone today. I want to see a bear. Where do I go? I hand my card out all the time for that. Hey, you're coming to Yellowstone. You want to see a bear? Give me a text. I'll tell you where they're hanging out. 
So this is the whole idea with Tied to Nature. So I started this three years ago now, uh, guiding people inside of Yellowstone National Park. I have had some incredible experiences being able to be in the park every day. Let me let me share a couple of those with you. And then, you know, actually, let me share some some experiences that I've had in general, whether that's out by myself or on a tour. Let me start with one of the probably the coolest experiences that I've had with wolves. And this happened just a couple years ago. I had the day off. It was October. You know, there's not a lot of tours in October. And I drove into the park and I I went over towards Canyon Village and my plan was to go down towards Hayden Valley. Just before I got to the, the Canyon Village, I I stopped on the side of the road. And this, this is going to be a little embarrassing, but I was basically, I was too lazy to go in to uh, use the restrooms at Canyon Village. So I was going to use this pull out. So I stop, I get out of the car. And as soon as I get out of the car, I heard a wolf howl. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to use the bathroom anymore. And it's dark. And so I cannot see them, but I can tell that they are close. And so I just, I kind of wait around until it starts to get light. And just as it starts to get light, you can just see the figures out at the tree line. And, you know, over the course of the next 10 minutes or so, I probably counted, I want to say it was 12 wolves. Little by little, they disappeared up a, a trailer that was right there. And then they were gone. I went back and forth and was on the radio with somebody else in the area trying to see where these wolves had gone, if they'd come back out somewhere. Probably spent an hour just driving back and forth and trying to see where they would come out. I ended up going up the road a little ways to another parking area with a trailhead. I stopped and listened and howling again. So I decided, well, I'm going to go find out where they're at. So I parked my car. I had my bear spray and I started walking into where I could hear these, these howls coming from. And, you know, my biggest concern walking in wasn't the wolves. I wasn't concerned about wolves. It was you know, was there a carcass out there? Was there a grizzly bear? Was there other things? So I'm walking in, I have my bear spray in my hand and I'm making noise as I go. And then I'm following a trail. And after a little bit, I, I start to go off the trail following the sound and they quit howling. So I just kind of walked for a little bit and was enjoying myself. And pretty soon I see them. And, you know, at first they're probably a thousand yards off. And I ended up walking into about 400 yards where it was a comfortable distance. I wasn't changing their behavior. I set up my spotting scope and I just sat back and enjoyed. And after a few minutes, there was somebody else that was on the radio and I mentioned, yeah, I found them. And I ended up hiking back out a little ways and bringing this couple in. And we set up the three of us and we watched these wolves for, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours. It was, it was nice because their, their behavior wasn't changed. They were you know, the, the puppies, the older puppies were playing and ended up, you know, most of the time they were kind of bedded down. But after a little while of us sitting there and watching, they kind of got up and started trotting off or walking off one by one until over the course of 15, 20 minutes, they were all gone and out of sight again. But during that time, I took one of my, my favorite photos I think I have of wolves and there's, there's full wolves in this picture going through these willows and the tall grass. And then back behind, there's this lone big bull bison. That picture tells that story for me. It may not tell that story for anybody else, but for me, that picture is my story, my experience that I had back there that day. And after the wolves were gone, I, I went back out and I was looking again and I went up the road some and I climbed up this hill or this mountain and 
looked down into this area where they at and were, were watching the meadows with, with no luck. And I don't think they were seen again that day or maybe even the next day. But that was just a neat experience for me. And a couple things about that is, one, you have to be very careful when you're walking out, especially by yourself in Yellowstone. You know, whether you're, you're looking for an animal or not, bear spray is important to have. Uh, the other thing is I had communication with me. So I was able to communicate with other people. But the other thing is I didn't have a guide with me. To have a good experience in Yellowstone, you don't need to necessarily have a guide. Uh, guides definitely come in handy. I mean, I am a guide. And I remember a couple of years ago, I went to Chicago and I had no idea what I was doing. I couldn't figure out the bus or anything and where to go, what to do. And I thought, oh, you're a guide. You should get a guide. So there is a, a good purpose to have a guide, but you can have experiences out there by yourself. Just remember to be safe about it. You know, learn what you're going to do. Learn the trail. Learn the bear spray. You know, have a good experience. To have a good experience, you have to be smart about what you're doing. I'll give you, I'll give you one, more, one more experience here. And this one is going to be, it's not wildlife. I mean, it doesn't have to be wildlife. That's, that's my favorite thing in the park. But it doesn't have to be wildlife-based to, to have a good experience. So a couple years ago when I was working for Brushbuck, we did a multi-day tour. So I had a family and we got to spend the night at the Old Faithful area. I think we, we stayed in the, at least I stayed in the Snow Lodge. And that's the only time that I've ever stayed overnight at the Old Faithful area. And it was really nice. I don't remember exactly what time of year it was. You know, sometime in the summer, some of the busier months. But we went out and took a walk, you know, after five, six o'clock. And it was, you know, almost, we were, I believe we were out uh, towards sunset. But as we walked around in that area, I mean, we must have seen five or six geysers go off. I think we watched Old Faithful geyser. We saw River geyser. We saw Daisy. We saw... A couple others. I think Sawmill was active at that time. And there's another one I'm thinking of. It's not coming to my mind right off. But we saw all these geysers erupting. And it was just an awesome experience because it was just us. There was nobody else out there. If you've never seen a geyser um, or, you know, maybe Old Faithful is the only geyser you've ever seen. Anything, yeah, it was pretty cool. But just to think about that, here you're walking around. And in the Old Faithful area alone, there's something like 300 geysers out there. And you, some of them aren't predictable. You just walk up and all of a sudden water starts shooting out of the ground. You know, maybe it's shooting out 10 feet. Maybe it's going 200 feet in the air. Uh, that's, that's incredible. And I've had quite a few experiences like that in Yellowstone where I just tell people, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you're driving down the road and, hey, there's a geyser. I'm not sure what it is. Or this last year, we pulled up to watch Old Faithful and there's some geyser going off in the background. And, you know, I, I've never seen that one before. I'm trying to think of what it is. And I said, I think that's, that's giantess geyser. And started talking to other people. And yeah, giantess geyser was going off. It was like the first time in seven years that it's gone off. So whether you're that wolf watcher, or the wildlife watcher, or the geyser gazer, there is so much to do and experience and see in Yellowstone. And, you know, beyond the geysers and the wildlife, those are kind of the two big things. Maybe it's the wildflowers. You know, one day I was going on a hike with a group of people, and I noticed a lady kind of off by the river looking at these wildflowers. And I went over and asked, and, you know, maybe she knows more than I do. And that happens a lot in Yellowstone. And she was looking at the flowers, and she was telling me the different flowers she was looking at. 
And one of them I knew I was familiar with. It was a bog orchid. But then she mentioned in Yellowstone, there was like seven or eight different species of orchids. And she was looking at a few different species there. And I didn't know that, you know, with an orchid, I always, I didn't know much about them. You think about this flower that grows in Hawaii or beetles or insects, or, you know, I think it's like 50 different species of beetles that will end up in a, a carcass after the, the mammals and everything have gone through it and helped clean that up. And one time I saw a, a dung beetle in Yellowstone. It's the only time I've ever seen one. And it was rolling a piece of dung. And I thought, we have dung beetles in Yellowstone? All kinds of things, you know, from flowers to insects, what fish, maybe you're going fishing or the wildlife, the, the geysers, you know, go on a hike. There's so many different ways to have an experience out here. Through this podcast, I hope to enable those experiences and help you appreciate those. Or when you see something, you know, the, the wolf or the bison or a geyser, you know what you're looking at or what you should be looking at when you see these. That's the purpose of this podcast. And that's a, a little introduction on myself. Uh, keep on listening. Uh, you should hear some great things from interviews, more experiences from me. I'm going to break down different uh, places in the park for you, give you more information on them. Thanks for tuning in today, and make sure you hit the next podcast. We're going to dive deeper into Yellowstone. Thanks for listening to Tied to Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Tied to Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.